All right, I'd invite Keaton to come up and join Bella and I here. How are you today? Have you had a quiet weekend without your brother? Our house has been nice and quiet too. <laughs> Feels kind of strange without him, huh? <laughs> no, you're enjoying it, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I had a completely different plan for this morning. But as Bella and I were coming back here from Brady, she asked me a question. And I thought it was a great question, so I didn't answer it on our drive because I wanted to see what both of you think about it. It's a perfect question for today. In our scripture reading that we're going to have here in a little bit, the disciples see something really strange happen to Jesus' face. And it's kind of a strange moment. And so on our way back, do you remember what the question was that you asked me that you said you were wondering about? Um, on our way back, I asked, I wonder what God would look like. Yeah, so she asked me, I wonder what God would look like. And that is a great question. None of us in this room have ever got to see what God's face actually looked like. But I am wondering, what do you think? What, how would you answer that question? What do you think God might look like? Do you have any ideas? Um, I kind of thought that he would have, have like a white beard or something like that and have like glasses because he makes clothes for Yeah, I like that. Have, she said, she thinks maybe God has a white beard and has glasses because he's super wise. And the beard's because he's old. <laughs> what do you think, Caden? What do you think God looks like? Or Keaton, I'm sorry. What do you think? I do that to my own kids, too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> they just get used to answering to each other's names. What do you think God might look like? Do you think he looks like a person? Maybe, yeah. You think he looks like us? Yeah, do you think he's tall? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. You know what I do know, though, is the Bible tells us that we are all created in the imago Dei. It means the image of God. Now, when we look around this room, does every person out there look exactly the same? No, we don't have any twins here, so nobody in this room looks exactly the same, right? So if we're all created in the image of God, which one of us do you think looks most like God? Any ideas? I don't know either. You know, my personal thinking is that maybe none of us truly, God probably doesn't look like any of us. But there are pieces in each one of us that look like God. And one of the thoughts I was having when I was talking to Bella is that sometimes we get to see God in this world. And so maybe sometimes God doesn't look like a human being at all. 
you know, maybe sometimes God could be a plant. Have you ever been outside and just felt really, really peaceful? You have a great view of the mountains from your home. Do you ever just look out into the mountains and just find peace? Maybe that a little bit is a glimpse of what God looks like. Or have you ever had somebody do something really, really nice when you did not expect it, when you were feeling maybe scared or just really sad? I mean, I did that for a friend. Yeah. I never happened to you? Well, maybe hopefully it will sometime. I think sometimes maybe God can be the face of one of us or another person. The way that God shows up in our life or if we see somebody doing something really good for somebody else. I'm really excited to hear what Ethan and Caden uh, have to say about their mission work experience. They're doing some really cool work, and I'm pretty sure that God is very present in what they're doing right now. And maybe those two have been the face of God for somebody that they've been helping down there. So I think God can look like a lot of things, huh? The really cool thing is that as long as we keep believing and we keep doing these acts that God has taught us about when we read about the life of Jesus and the things that we're supposed to do, the things that God calls us to do. Someday, we will get to go see God when we get to heaven, huh? And I think God's going to be way cooler than any of us can ever imagine. It's going to be something so unbelievable that we can't even dream up in our own minds. I, I bet God could wear sunglasses. That would be a pretty cool God. And I think God has a sense of humor. So maybe he will when you get there. Just for you, Bella. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like for you guys to, this week, maybe pay really close attention to things that are happening around you at school or when you go about, you know, your day. Maybe you're outside playing or going up for a walk, or maybe you might not be walking, it's supposed to be cold this week, but building a snowman maybe, something. Pay attention to where you might see God in this world, okay? And if you have a moment that you think to yourself, wow, I think that was God, will you come and tell me about it later on? That'd be awesome. All right, let's say a prayer, okay? And then you guys can head back to your seats. Lord, I give you so much thanks for these young people and the joy that they bring to our lives, the way that we are able to see God through them. I just pray that both of these two and the ones who are not here today are able to see your hands at work in this world and the many, many faces that show up in their lives that are images of you. Lord, I pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right. Now, Bella identified, we have got somebody in our congregation, and I don't know who it is this week, that has been filling up our candy basket, and you guys have some really yummy-looking treats in here. So whoever our candy wonderful filler is here. Thank you to whoever keeps filling it each week. You guys can take a couple if you want. Can I take two? Yeah. Okay. 
right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> funny thought came to my mind sitting there. You were talking about the difference, so we all look like God pieces. And you said we had no twins here, and I felt Shelley's mind go, thank heavens there's not a twin to this guy. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I looked, as I've seen Bru- or, uh, Brooks do before, and people, you know, I kind of looked in my Bible about this reading, and there's two things that I had a question with. Why, why they wrote six days later? Whether it was to give a time frame of how long they traveled from point A to B, um, there's certain things that the writers put in that there seems to be a, a no, but I couldn't find any reason other than the distance they walked that this starts out six days later. The other one will be in the latter half of this, the last paragraph or the last sentence. Um, my mind, you'll see it when I come to it, but um, was Jesus not telling I'm not telling anybody about this? And I read through the theologians in that as Jesus knew they didn't know enough about who he was. Didn't know enough about to explain it. So don't, told them not to say anything. Anyway, from Matthew chapter 17, uh, to, uh, verses 1 through 9, the transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. As he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking... Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. This is the last part. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is going to be the last of the spiritual disciplines that I've been going through for the last about month and a half now, I suppose, because this week we will begin our journey through Lent, and I'm very excited for that. I have a hopefully good sermon series that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the outcast and figuring out how maybe each of us are outcasts on our own and journeying through 
the Lenten journey to get closer to Christ. So that will be coming, of course, next week. But we need to conclude this week. And this is Transfiguration Sunday. And so I wanted to try to really tie the two of these together. The Transfiguration can be preached in a lot of different ways. But when I read through it this week, one of the things that I too questioned was, why six days later? And I went back and I had to read through what was going on ahead of this time before Jesus took the disciples up on the mountain. Why did he take them up there? They had been very busy. They had been teaching. They had been doing what they do. They had been among the people. Of course, normally when Jesus preached, crowds would gather around. They would come in the hundreds and the thousands. And one of the very last messages that we get from Jesus with the disciples right before our scripture reading today, he is sitting down with them and he tells them, Something bad is going to happen. They had this time where the Sadducees and the Pharisees were arguing with Jesus. And Jesus sits down with them and he tells them, You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. Now, as we know in the story, Jesus had not yet died on the cross and been resurrected. The cross was a crucial, crucial punishment during that time period. That would be like in our own modern language, Jesus looking at us and saying, you're going to have to sit in the electric chair to follow me. It's hard. Jesus was giving them this heads up that to follow me, it is not going to be easy. I wondered what the message translation would say about this. And so I looked it up and message translation as Jesus is talking to them he tells them this isn't going to be pie in the sky or a cakewalk it sounds like a good thing to follow Jesus but it is going to be tough and I've thought about how so many times it's like that in our own life we have had these huge moments where we know that Christ is very much at work in our life. And I don't know if your story works like mine, but it seems like any time that I can feel God getting ready to kick something off, I get so excited for it. And then all these bad things start snowballing that become so stressful. It seems like there's one funeral after another and then something crazy happens in the community and I get pulled in every single direction and my husband isn't feeling coming to church at that time and my kids are not wanting to go to connect and I get a cold and it's like everything is just pulling me and I get exhausted. I get so tired and I think to myself, oh, it'd be so much easier not to do this. And I think maybe that's how the disciples were starting to feel at that time. Jesus was reminding them, this is going to be tough. And so Jesus gives us an example. He reminds us that it is okay to pull out for a little bit and go take a retreat. And so that's what he did with the disciples. He took them up onto the mountain to allow them to experience this very magnificent event. He's transfigured before them. 
His face shines like the sun. It says that it glows so much that his clothes appeared pure white. But you know what the disciples did in that moment? Instead of sitting there in awe like we think that they probably should, they start thinking about what should we do next? Elijah is there with them and Moses is there. They are seeing something absolutely amazing. They are seeing that the ancestors from the Old Testament are right there sitting with Jesus as if in support of saying, yes, Jesus is the one. Listen to him. But instead of doing that, they sit there and think, well, what should we do for them? Jesus, would you like it if we build a dwelling place, or a memorial for you, and then we'll build one for Moses and one for Elijah? It's like they're up there in the forest, but they can't even see the forest. All they're seeing is each individual tree. And so... God allows this cloud to come over and overshadow them. And the voice of God speaks up and says, This is my beloved son who I am very well pleased. I have great favor in him. Follow him, trust him, listen to him. But even then, when the disciples have this amazing thing that they've seen with their own eyes, they've heard the voice of God they still don't quite get it. Instead, they put their face down. They are so full of fear that they fall and they hide their face. And when they look up, it's just Jesus alone. Jesus still doesn't give up on them, though. Instead of thinking they're never going to get it, like they're still just seeing these individual trees, he comes over to them and he places his arm on them and he says, it's okay. Get up. And don't be afraid. To me, when I think about the power that God has in our lives, this scripture reading is so simple and it can be say, taken so many ways. It can preach so many different times. You could probably do a whole entire series on just the different takes of this scripture reading alone. But I think about how it falls into the sermon series that we've been going through. These needs to take care of our own self. Because when we allow ourselves to get so wrapped up in filling down from the weight of the world, from stress in our life, from the darkness, from the weather and the cold and cabin fever, all of these things that pull us different directions and just drain us of our energy and make us want to doubt the scripture reading reminds us that Christ is there. Christ will not give up on us. He will gives us, give us these glimpses to see amazing things. And when we still don't quite take note or understand it, the voice of God will speak to us. And when we still don't allow ourselves to hear it, Christ will come and comfort us and remind us, get up. Don't be afraid. Come on, you can do this. It will be okay. There's a song, a popular country song right now on the radio. It's one that typically I would probably not bring up in church. But I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, and I heard another pastor speak to this song, and I thought, wow, there is a really good underlying message to this. It was one that kind of made me think about this song in a different way. And so I want to share that message with you. The song is Wade in the Truck. Have any of you heard of that song? 
It's a really sad song, actually. Essentially, the song is about this man. He's driving down a road in the dark. It's raining outside. And as he's driving along, he sees this figure over on the side of the road. And he realizes it's a woman. This woman has been beat up really, really bad. Severe abuse. So he pulls over and he picks her up and he says, come on, get in. He doesn't ask her questions. He doesn't ask her, what did you do to deserve this? Why are you beat up? Who, anything about this. He just says, where is he? And this man drives this complete stranger to the place where the man who did this to her is at. And he reaches underneath his seat and then he goes into the home and he takes care of the problem. That is definitely not the part that I want you guys to take away, and that is not what I am condoning, just to be clear on this. But in the song then, Lainey Wilson, the song is by Hardy, and then Lainey Wilson is featured in it. Lainey Wilson begins singing the chorus, and she says, I don't know if he's an angel, because angels don't do what he did. He was hell-bent to find the man behind all the whiskey scars that I hid. I never thought my day of justice would come from a judge under a seat, but I knew right then that I'd never get hit again when he said to me, wait in the truck. As I think about this, I think about how sometimes Christ is like that secret thing, that judge under the seat that sometimes we don't think about when we are facing life's problems. We get into this mindset that we think that we can try to fix everything on our own. This mindset that we are self-help people. We want to do everything for ourselves. And when we get stressed out and we get full of fear and we see bad things going on in the world, we tend to just think that it's their problem and we need to let that be. And we try to fix ourselves on our own. And we usually always get it wrong. We cannot fix ourselves without Christ. Christ is that unexpected justice that comes in this world when we least expect it. When we allow Christ to work in us and through us, Christ fixes us in ways that we can't even imagine. And then when we allow ourselves to do the work of Christ into the world instead of just trying to make a difference on our own or doing it the way that maybe society tells us that we're supposed to do, that's when real change begins to happen. Christ shows us and reminds us over and over again that sometimes we just don't see the big picture when we see bad things happening or we allow ourselves to get so down and stressed out, sometimes we can't see what is right there in front of us. We don't allow ourselves to take in this moment that Christ is trying to help us experience where we are transfigured ourselves. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to hear the voice of God speaking through this person who is doing good to us. We don't hear God saying, hey, this person right here that's trying to help you is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased with this person. 
allow them to help you. We put up a wall and we don't allow it to happen. But by doing some of these spiritual practices that we have talked about, when we get to that point where we hide our faith like the disciples because we are so full of fear, some of these spiritual practices allow us that moment for God to come up, for Christ to come up and put his arm around us and say, it is okay. Get up and don't be afraid. And then when we do that, we can go out and we can begin being that face of God in the world. The one that makes a big difference. There's another song that I've been thinking about this week. It was one that I learned on my very first trip when I became a youth pastor. The song is called Faint Not, and it's been on my heart this week because I sent my own son for the very first time to a place that he doesn't have a phone to call me. He's going for the very first time away from family. I've only been away from him, <coughs> excuse me, when he goes to my parents or when he goes to his dad's. Sorry, guys, I'm going to cough. I didn't want to send him. I had some anxiety about this because I knew that he was going to be downtown in Great Falls and there were going to be people different from me there. I found myself thinking this week, I wasn't sure that I was okay with sending my 12-year-old son by himself with a bunch of strangers to a place that I know that homeless people frequent, a place that I know there had been some drug activity down there. I stand up here and preach a lot that we should all go dive in and do mission work and that we should care about those people and that we should love those people. and. Then I found myself saying those people a lot this week because I was kind of being helicopter mom a little bit. And I had a conversation with Ethan. I said, why do you want to go do this? Why does this matter to you? And he said, because you told me it'd be great and I'd learn about God and I would meet other Christians. And I said, you're right. And as I went and I dropped him off there, I realized the words that I had been using and I was angry at myself because I had labeled them these people. They are not these people. They are God's people. And I shouldn't have been judging them. I shouldn't have allowed myself to be so afraid, afraid for my son trying to protect him. I shouldn't have allowed the stress of all of it to get in the way. And I felt God's arms wrap around me during that time and say, it's okay, get up and don't be afraid. And I let my son spread his wings a little bit and I know that he's going to come back with amazing stories about how he learned about the face of God and how he was the face of God. And that is what each one of us are supposed to do. It's hard, it's really hard to be a disciple sometimes. 
And it's okay for us to have these moments where we have to wake up and we have realize that we haven't been seeing the amazing things happening in front of us. We haven't heard the voice of God speaking to us because we've only seen individual trees in the midst of the forest. But I hope that each of us will seek the arms of God. When we get to that point where we put our face down and we're wanting to hide because of the stress and the fear, I hope that we will seek God and that we will realize it's okay to get up and don't be afraid. I want to go through these spiritual practices one more time before we enter into the season of Lent this coming week. And I hope that some of you have been practicing them. I've been really trying to encourage you to do this, and I hope that you will take at least one of them and let it journey into the Lenten season with you. The first one that we went through was to wake up with God, wake up in prayer. Wake up in scripture. Before you even get out of bed, wake up with God. And then we went through making a playlist to allow music to speak to us, to hear God in the emotions of the harmony and the chorus and all of the ups and downs of the melody. Sometimes maybe that music might come from the sound of the birds singing outside. The third one was random acts of kindness. Any random act of kindness that you are able to do that you think of, if somebody comes to your mind, send them a text really quick or send them a card in the mail. If somebody in front of you at the grocery store isn't able to pay for what they have, just say, hey, I've got it. And know that through that random act of kindness, That little bit that you're spending on them is not going to make a big difference to your pocketbook, but it's going to make a huge difference to that person. The little altars everywhere to set up reminders in your home, places that you can go and find respite when you are seeking God, but also reminders for you to connect with God throughout your day, your normal routine. I talked a lot about how I have my grandma's picture in my living room, and she's a place that I'm able to look at and remind myself of her comfort and what she would tell me. But I also have a note that's up in my kitchen window. It came from one of you, actually. Hopefully that person knows who it is. But uh, I cut it out, and it's up in my kitchen window, and it's a reminder, a prayer that I say for myself every day. These little altars everywhere, these reminders of God. Then we talked about walking this way, to get up and to move, to do the physical parts that get our blood going and get the endorphins going. It helps our mental well-being, but it also helps our spiritual well-being. And this week, my hope is that you will remember that Christ will comfort you. I hope that you will remember that encouragement that Christ gave to the disciples as he came and put his arm around them and said, it's okay, get up, don't be afraid. And the spiritual discipline that I would like for all of you to try this week is to get up and to go out and to encourage other people. Pay compliments to people, genuine compliments, and encourage them along the way. Be the face of God or the arm of comfort 
of God that they might need in their life. Sometimes we don't know what a person is going through. And as we all know, that stress can be so draining, it can be paralyzing at times. But that little hug, that little reminder of it's going to be okay might be just what they need. May each of us go out into this world unafraid and may each of us allow our being, our heart, our soul, all of our mind to be transfigured, to see the light of Christ and the vision of Christ in this world. Amen.